Book of Hebrews again, please. Hebrews chapter 4. A few thoughts for you this morning. As I said, we're taking our time on this subject. And I want you to get it into you, as we've said. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, just right now we ask you that you would let us in our hearts Know your great heart for us. Lord, and we ask you, Lord, to bless everyone that's under the precincts of this building and every family. There wouldn't be one that would leave here this morning without receiving something from God. And Father, we thank you for your spirit, for your presence in our midst. And we ask you, Lord, that you would just strengthen every one of us. Lord, you alone are worthy of the praise, the honour, and the glory. It all belongs to you, O God. Come now, Father, and we pray that you would just touch our hearts and glorify your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we ask it, and for his glory. Amen. You know, whenever we have been looking at this old covenant sympathy, the new covenant empathy, We have looked especially at how God wants you to come, calls us to come, keeps calling us every day, the drawing of God to come into his presence. And the throne of grace is an open heaven for you and I, anytime, anywhere, whether you're here and in worship or in work, or maybe you're away on holidays, wherever it may be, the throne of grace is there for all of us who are born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, trusting in Christ. It's there. And the Lord calls us more more wanting to bless us than even we want to be blessed. Did you know that? Do you know God wants to bless you more than you even want to be blessed? We say, Lord, bless me. He wants to bless you. He says, come to me. And sometimes in our worries and our fears, our anxieties, uh, we'll sit and we'd nearly molt like a bird with feathers coming out rather than go into the place where we find our strength and we'll sit in the, in the room and you know, we'll not enter into his presence. And to come before the throne of grace, it isn't that God expects you to come with high intelligence or great intellect. He's not looking for you to come with wonderful, plentiful words, with marbles in your mouth where you know, you're speaking so eloquently and fluently that... The Lord wants you to be you and come to him, just as you are. He wants you to come, and sometimes when our hearts are so weary, sometimes when you're feeling so low or so hurt or whatever, we find that whenever we go to pray, we go into that place, some people call it the closet, and we seek the face of God, we feel we're getting nowhere. Feel can't even pray at times. And it's not on your feelings. It's like your salvation. You're not saved by your feelings. 
because you'll feel saved one day and you'll not feel saved the next, or you'll be saved one day and you'll not be saved the next, if you're going, or if your salvation is on how you feel. So if you have come this morning and you feel nothing, I mean spiritually nothing, but you're a believer trusting in Christ, it doesn't mean to say that you're not saved this morning. You're saved by grace through faith, and you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Always coming and having a, a, a mountaintop experience is not always in, in the, the plan and purpose of God, for God learns and teaches us in valley experiences also. But in every experience, God says, come to me. Now we have looked at that in, in great depth, where the Lord keeps saying, come, come, come. We'll not go into it again. And then we looked at the word boldly, how he wants us to come. The word boldly is the word parousia, and we looked at it over a week or two there. And parousia means to, to come with freedom of speech. He wants you to be open. He wants you to be true. He wants you to be honest. Let me say this, and I, I, I have spoken to people, I plural now. I don't want anyone thinking I'm, I'm buttonholing them or pinpointing them in particular. But I've I've dealt with people over the years where we're speaking to people and, and, and we're telling about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and we tell the unsaved that whenever you come with a repentant heart sorry for your sins so sorry not to do it again in other words when you come knowing that you're a sinner in need of a saviour you give your life to Christ and you come with a full true repentant heart God forgives you and we uh, uh, as Christians expect that man or woman to know exactly what we mean in other words when we lead them in, a, in prayer or we, we bring them again to the cross of Calvary leading to the throne of grace we, we find that sometimes the people when they lift their head from a word of prayer receiving Christ what is it that they do? They, some, of them, some of them would say, is that it? There's no lightning flashes. There's no great earthquakes. The door posts and the door lintels didn't shake. There wasn't a breaking up of rocks around them. You know, there was no light from heaven. There was no great flash and there was no great sound out of the clouds. And what do we do? We tell them that we, you must believe what the scripture says about your salvation and just receive it. I'm walking it. Isn't that right? That's what we expect men and women to believe. And that's true. That's what the Bible says. That we're saved. And it's not by how we feel. It's not saved by uh, flashes of lights and great sounds from heaven and rocks renting and earthquakes and all that sort of stuff. And while God can do that, by the way, and while there are some conversions which are... are uh, more openly manifest the things that have happened to them. The true conversion is in the heart. It's right inside where you and I can't see. And the true repentance is in the heart where you and I can't see. We might hear it. There's many people tell us they repent and, uh, and you know that there has never been a repentance. But the true repentance of the heart is only manifest by a change in the life. And we see that as people truly come before God with a repentant heart and say, Lord, I've been waiting for a flash of light and a blinding light from heaven or voices from a cloud or I've been waiting for X, Y, Z to happen and it hasn't happened yet. And God says, you receive me by faith. 
believing. And from that moment on, you walk believing what the word of God says. You're forgiven of your sins. You're justified. You're righteous before the Father. And so you walk in that and you grow in that. Problem is, as Christians, now we'll get down to the nitty-gritty Christian. Christians at times, we come and we feel, well, I've been so low I can't pray. I've went in to pray and I've got on my knees or I've stood in a room or wherever you've done and you've went to speak and very little has come out of your mouth. What was the use of me going to pray? What was the use of me bothering to take the time to leave that room where my family is and go into a, a, a study or a bedroom or wherever you've went or out for a walk even, whatever you do? What is the use if you're going to stand and pray and nothing comes out? Well, sure, it's a waste of time, is it? Well, I want to let you know, brother and sisters, this morning, it isn't a waste of time. Because your heart, your spirit within you, is charged and connected, as it were, infused with the Holy Spirit of God. You've been made alive unto God. And the Holy Spirit who is in you, He's the one who comes and draws alongside. He's the one who brings you into that place where you even get up and want to go. That calling where I need to go and pray, but you want to sit in the living room. You want to sit in front of the television. You don't want to get up because everything in you is dead and lifeless. But yet, at some point, you struggle yourself up and you make your way in and you stand before God and you go to speak and everything's in your mind and this one's there and that one's there and this thing's there and that thing's there and you can't muddle your way through it and you just stand there and you say, Lord, I'm here, but what's the use? When you're there, the Holy Spirit who is in you is interceding for you on your behalf. He's groaning in you. See the very, oh God, I want you to help me, but I can't. I can't say a word. Oh Jesus, I just, I want to tell you I love you, but my heart is, my heart's aching. That's not of you. That's off the Holy Ghost. So that's a reason for you to start there. And keep going there until you get to the place, the point and the time when you're able to break out and break through. I want you to take that in. Because I believe I'm speaking to quite a number of us, or quite a few of us. Problem is that we don't like to take on board what the Word of God says because we feel we must muster up this great, eloquent, uh, uh, a powerful, marble-mouth-filled prayer that God will be impressed with big words that I know. Now, God will be impressed with a big theological discourse that I know. Listen, you're speaking to God, the creator of the universe. And you're going to come and give him a whole theological discourse and tell him why you're feeling how you are according to the word of God. Can you imagine Peter stepping out of the boat and standing on the water and as he's fixed his eyes on Christ, he's prevailing. He's overcoming He's victorious, walking upon the waves of the sea, fixed on Christ. All he had to say was, Lord, bid me come. And the Lord had to say, well, come to me. And when his eyes were on him, he walked on that which others were sinking in. 
Can you imagine Peter when he starts to sink the wind and the waves come up and, and they gather around him and he takes his eyes off the Lord and he starts to go under the sea. Can you imagine Peter saying, Lord, I believe that thou art the Holy One of Israel and you are God and, and I believe, Lord, that you have redeemed me by your precious blood and I believe and starting to speak big words that are, that are eloquent and flowery and purposeful. By the time he had got it out, he had been blowing bubbles under the, under the sea. You know what he cried from a heart that was true and a need from desperation, deep, calling on to deep? Lord, save me! Jesus says, that's enough. There are people who are under condemnation and they won't take what God's word says. And if you come to him, And he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But they're living it. The problem is, we must go back to the heart of the matter, the root cause of our hearts. And this is it. By the way, I wasn't going to speak on this this morning. This is something completely different. I feel I'm just following up from where the Spirit has spoken and let out. The heart of the matter, the root cause could be this. For those who come and have walked away from the Lord, who have been cold before God, who have come and walked even in an open course of sin, that is, in a course of sin for so long, here is the the $64,000 question for them. Did you really come to him? Did you really repent? Ah. You see, we expect a change of heart when our heart hasn't been changed. Did you really come and give it all to him? Because when we do, the word says, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins. Isn't that right? It's the blood of Jesus which cleanses us. So was there a real and right repentance? Because if we do, the Lord knows our hearts and we're sitting before him and we say, oh God, help our hearts. Then there are those who have been hurt, who have been offended, and our hearts are standing before God and because of the offense of the heart, the offense and the hurt, we can't get over those things until we surrender all and lay them at his feet. She done me much harm. He done this. Family matters. Whatever it may be. And we have to lay it down or else we're going to find that our hearts are far from him. Because when you come to worship, all we can see are those people. We can see is that situation. We must understand that the heart of the issue is whether we truly, honestly, fully, with all of our hearts, give it to him. And if we aren't giving it to him, whether it's hurts or fears, anxieties, if we don't lay it down at his feet and surrender all to him, then that which we are holding will become a darkness in our heart, a dark patch 
on the soul. So keep us, not because God wants to remove himself from you, not because God has fallen out with you, not because God doesn't want to know you, not because God will cast you away, but it will keep you from coming to him. What we must understand is when we truly repent or when we truly want to worship or when we truly come to him, we must believe with this word that he forgives us and we have full and a free access to the throne room of God. The only one who's keeping you from God this morning is yourself. Get that into your spirit. That's not a condemnation either, by the way. That's for all of us. The only one who keeps you away from God this morning is yourself. If a person, if a circumstance, if a situation, if an anxiety or if a a hurt and an offense keeps you away from God, you can't blame the situation that's surrounding you for keeping you away from God. For God is open all the time for you to come and he wants you to come to bless you in that. But if all these things are keeping you away from God and they're surrounding your heart, surrounding your life, surrounding your mind, surrounding all that you are, then you are the only one who can change that. And come to him no matter what it is. Let out his feet and surrender it to him. And that's surrendering all. I remember, strangers, a hymn, Alice and I had it, we sang it at our wedding as well. And one of the lines of it goes, called Majestic Sweetness Sits Enthroned Upon the Saviour's Brow. There's one of the verses, and one of the last lines says, If I had a thousand hearts to give, Lord, they should all be thine. It's a lovely hymn. But when you think of it, We only have one heart. And we struggle to give him that one. (laughs) We struggle to give him that one. And in that heart, whether it's all those things that we have mentioned, or all the pleasures that we chase, or whether it's even the sports that we follow, everything comes before him. Our heart is called out to that. We have trouble giving our hearts to him. The idea here is the throne of grace is that we can come before him at any time, at any place, under any occasion. And the word boldly means to come with freedom of speech, with absence of fear, to speak plainly without parable or proverb. In other words, don't try and make up a story why we did such a thing. Or why we were such a way. Because the Lord will say, who are you trying to fool? I see all, no wall, and see through you all. And God says, just come to me. And I'll bless you. I'll change it. I'll help you. I'll relieve you. I'll support you. And I'll love you through it all. I notice this. We looked at the word for boldly, which is parousia, and it also is the word confidence, we'll not go through it again. And it's also the word openly, we'll not go through that again either. But something else I want you just to briefly before, I'm only going to bring a short message this morning, just before we go any further onto this. Whenever we are looking at John, 1 John chapter 4, if you want to turn to it, 
First John chapter 4. Here's what I'm trying to say. When you've really, whether it's someone who's went backslidden or someone who's strayed away or someone who's sinned grievously and walked in an open course of sin. Listen, we're all feeling every day. I was talking about someone who deliberately, purposefully, habitually walked in an open course of sin for a period of time. That's what I'm speaking of. People like that who, who know fine rightly they're rebelling against God. God will receive you with open arms, but you must believe that. Or you'll never receive that. And the idea is that if we don't, in one sense, shape or form, come honestly, openly, without parable or proverb before God, stop making excuses who we are and where we are. God knows who you are and accepts you the way you are. And he wants to bless you in that, but he wants you to come and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. But come honestly. Hiding nothing from him, as it were. First John 4. And let your eye run down just briefly to verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Now, brother, do you know that? Sister. Do you know that? Look at me for one minute. Do you know the love he has toward you? Well, I know he loves me. No, no, I, yes, we do. But do you know, have you any idea the love that he really has toward you? For if we did, we would know when we come to him, his love overwhelms us and overcomes all of the things that we are surrendering to him. Do you know when you come to God, he's not ticking off a box and saying, I'll keep that in a memory bank so I can beat you with it later on. If you and I know the love of God that is toward us, then we will thrive in God. Thrive in him. We'll love him back. The Lord says, I love you. And you'll know that love. If you, your, your life will be lighter. Your life will be brighter. I love you. But Lord, I'm not up to much. I'm not worth much. But Lord, I've failed and I'm coming to say, Lord, I've failed and I've walked away from you. You can come with all those things and all he keeps saying to you is, I love you, I love you, I love you. You know, when you say to someone, you I love you, but just tell me the truth. Don't mess about. Tell me the truth. Because when you take it and give it to God, whether it hurts or anything else, you're taking it from yourself and you're laying it somewhere else. But you're laying it on the one who can take it all. Broader shoulders than anyone else. Now notice what it says here. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God, and we have known and believed the love of God that God hath toward us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, notice the word, in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, 
when it comes to the day of judgment, I I talked a little on this last week, those of us who know him, those of us who are trusting him, those of us who are relying on the sacrifice of his son, who are under the blood of Jesus, those of us who have been redeemed by that blood, and those of us who, listen, know the love he has for us. I get that. If you know the great love that God has for you, and once you know that great love, you'll walk in liberty, you'll walk in freedom, you'll walk in glory, you'll walk in power. And that day of judgment, the word boldly here is parousia. In other words, you will have freedom of speech at the judgment seat. You will come before him whenever that day comes when others who have rejected Christ are being cast into a lake of fire. Think about it. When others are being sent to hell. The horrific and horrible nature of it. That even our minds can't comprehend the terror of it. If you know he loves you now, in that day, you'll be open to him. And that love relationship, you'll have no fear whatsoever. None. No fear whatsoever. Notice what it says. He that dwelleth in love dwells in God. So when you and I start stepping out of the love of God, as it were, bringing ourselves out, that is, when you and I get to the place in our hearts and minds, does God love me? Does God care? Does God think of me? When we start thinking that we're unloved in God because of who we are or what we have done or what we have become and his love has been exhausted toward us and can I come to his presence again? Would the Lord allow me to stand before him? Would the Lord allow me to come to his throne of grace? Would the Lord forgive me and allow me to worship again? Raise my hands and lift my voice and lift my eyes to heaven. Would the Lord allow me into ministry again which I've failed? And we say, I don't think he would. You know why? Because you and I measure God's love according to our own. Because you measure God's love according to yours. And the fickleness of man's love. They love one day, they don't love the next. I told you, I had a man used to come here when I first came here. And every day nearly leaving, every Sunday, he used to stop at the door and say to me, I love you, I'd take a bullet for you. And I used to say, well I hope you never have to, that I'm boy shooting at me. He used to say it all the time. All the time. And then somebody that he knew fell out with me. So so did he. And didn't come back. Now if that's love, I don't want to know it. See, if you love me like that, please don't tell me. You see, we measure our love like that. Someone has wronged me and I love them, now I don't. God says you're to love at all times the way he loves you. You see, if you and I realize that love, and listen, if we dwell, live, move, have our being, habituate in that love, 
realizing that love, accepting that love, receiving that love, and every day, in spite of how you think or what you feel, and you love, you know his love, then you're dwelling in God. God's not just dwelling in you, you're dwelling in God. Think about that. So can I ask you a question this morning? Have you been dwelling in God this morning? What do you mean? Dwelling, knowing he loves you. He's dwelling in you, believer. But are you dwelling in him? Is your mind, is your heart, is your will, is your emotions, is all that you are and all that you have totally surrendered and given over to him so you're dwelling in him? In other words, I love you, Lord, and you love me. And your love will never run dry. It's the idea, because as Christ is, we're told, so are we. Listen, not when we get to heaven. In this world, now, here, this morning. You know when you get up and you have to brush your tooth before, or your teeth before you come out? <laughs> You get up in the morning and you have your shower and you have to make sure you're freshened up and you know and you get up maybe grumpy or one eye's round behind the left ear or something like that. You're trying to straighten yourself out. How can God love that? You when you look in the mirror sometimes you go, Really? I mean really? Well I do, I mean <laughs> You know when you go and you look like that? And that mindset starts to bring you down. That mindset starts to drive you out of God's love. Not that God's driven out of you or stopped loving you. And that mindset makes you feel hopeless, useless and worthless. And you live that day in that mindset. You know those mornings when you get up and the world hates you when you think it does and you think that everybody in Donna Cloney is talking about you. Well, their minds are fixed in you and nobody else. They've nothing else to get on with. You know, that sort of thing. You know, they haven't got their own business to get on with. You know those mornings whenever you get up like that and you're so weak and you can't go in to pray and so you sit in the stupor and pull the feathers out to your moat and die. Or maybe that's only me, is it? <laughs> you know those times? I have something to tell you. His love never changed for you. Never changes. Because he sees you in those moments, on this earth, at that place, point and time, like his own son. In other words, as Christ is in heaven with him now, so you are in Christ and on this earth, he sees you through Christ. And you are righteous, you're cleansed, you're purified, you're justified, you're forgiven, and listen, you're loved. You're loved. So can you come to the throne of grace and worship? And with freedom worship, not with this, oh, I, I can't lift my hands this morning because, Lord, I didn't pray before I came out. Listen, don't you let the devil hold you back from entering into his presence. 
Don't you let the devil start to whisper to you that you can't praise him and that he would cast you away. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. Listen to the Word of God. Let us, let us, therefore, come. Because who he is and what he's done, boldly to the throne of grace. You see, we're told in verse 18, say this now close, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Every time you and I think God will not accept you as you come to him, Every time you and I think we cannot worship him or sing his praise because of X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. Every time you get afraid that God will cast you away, that is fear. Which means you're not in the love of God. In other words, you're not receiving. You're not perceiving. You're not accepting the love that God has for you. What did I say last week? The love here is a perfect love so pure that there is no element of fear in the love of God. Let me say it again. There is no element of fear in the love of God. So if you realize God's love for you, you can't fear to come. You can't fear to worship. You can't fear to trust. You can't fear when death comes. You can't fear when judgment comes. You can't fear when others are being cast into a burning lake of fire. You can't because you're in his love. You can't fear. Are you fearful this morning? Cast it out and live in his love. 1 John, God is light, is the theme of chapter 1. And in him is no darkness at all, purity of light. And darkness, darkness only exists in the absence of light. So once fear starts to come, darkness is coming. Darkness is coming to your mind. Darkness is coming to your life. Once you start to allow that to come into you, Darkness is coming. In other words, the light is not overcoming. If you come out of your living room at night, if I'm locking up at night and I come out of the living room and I have the light on, I hit the switch on the wall and darkness is in like this. When you're walking in the love of God, knowing how much he loves you, you're walking in the light of God because as God is light, when you get to chapter 4, I think it's about verse 8, says God is love. So God is light, God is love, and chapter 5, verse 12. Might be a verse out there. Verse 12, God is light in chapter 1, God is love in chapter 4, and God is life. Notice, God is light, God is love, God is life. In other words, there's no death where he is. There's no absence, there's no fear in his love, and there's no darkness in his light. And if you walk in that, you'll do well. Come to the throne of grace. And in the Lord's will, next week we'll look at and obtain mercy, find grace to help in the time of need. Don't you allow the devil to tell you you can't worship and come. No matter how you are, how you feel, 
and glorify the name of the Lord. God bless us this morning. Time's on on. We're going to receive the tithe, the Lord's tithe and the offer.